This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. This is for so long that we forgot all of the ways we're really just the same as Americans bound by a common set of ideals that set this nation into motion 250 years ago. And that's why I'm proud to say tonight that I am running for United States president to revive those ideals in this country. Vivek Ramaswamy yesterday announcing, I want to be president, too. Tossing his hat in the ring on the GOP side. This is uh, somebody that uh, you've had some dealings with over the years. Yeah, he was actually in Jefferson City in the state capitol last January. We put on the... um, Missouri Federalist Society chapters puts on an annual conference um, and he had just come out with his first book Woke Inc uh, and came and gave the keynote speech Uh, that's actually available online if you google it uh, you can watch it Um, and he's written another book since then I think um, basically about victimhood and um, and he's been a He's been hugely successful in business. He's a big entrepreneur, uh, regularly comments in like the Wall Street Journal and on the TV channels. He's been kind of on the circuit. I did, I actually, right after his trip to Jefferson City, I bumped into him at CPAC when it was down in Florida last year. He was, he spoke there, was kind of making the rounds. So I'm not shocked. I do think he's very smart. He's very young. He's, I think, was born in 1985, which makes him, <laughs> I'm not going to say, we can't have a president younger than me, man. I'm only 52. He is very young, and he has some other connections to Missouri. I was reading his Wikipedia article, and I guess he's had several successful businesses, and I think his first one somehow dealt with colleges, and I think it was purchased or somehow financed by the Kauffman Foundation, which is based in Kansas City. So really interesting backstory. Uh, has you know Talks a lot about um, hard work. He wrote an uh, opinion article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday talking about merit, that we need to start getting back to judging things based on merit. I tend to agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like how he is mixing up the conversation. I personally think he's uh, smart and uh, talented, and I'm interested to see where he takes the conversation. I can't wait for the first progressive to come out. He wants people to work hard for stuff? That's horrible. Let the government do it for you. Randy Tobler hosts the Randy Tobler Show weekdays 4 to 6 here on the radio station. Uh, what was your reaction to Vivek Ramaswamy announcing he's running for president? Well, I was thrilled, Brandon. I uh, I was glad to see him get in the race. There's not a more articulate guy in terms of clearly talking about what's wrong with our country and why we need to get back to some common sense, civility, and, you know, a, a merit-based society. I was really glad to hear it. Plus, you know, I heard him uh, on a previous podcast with another national show on Monday, and he said almost the same thing as he said last night with Tucker. And, you know, the two word, the, the same word was used both in both interviews, and that was revival. And I'm not sure, he, I don't think he meant specifically a religious revival, but we need a revival of American, of what it is to be American. He talked about that. And I'm, I mean, I, you know what? If I was Donald Trump, I'd be worried because Donald Trump uh, would, be, would be a good idea for on that debate stage if it gets there not to mess with Vivek because there's not a more articulate guy. Um, and I think he would probably, uh, probably just undo any kind of personal attack that Trump would try to do on him. It'll be an interesting entry. I'm glad that you see him in. So uh, let me make sure you're clear because you, you caught my attention a little bit. Uh, if I were Donald Trump, I would be worried. Do you mean like worried in the race as a whole or just on a debate stage? Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think that I think that I think that Vivek the fact that we have so many people now getting into the race. Look, I think it won't be long before. Uh, obviously, Nikki Haley's in. Uh, I think we'll see Pompeo. We'll see Tim Scott. We'll see uh, Vivek. And I've got a feeling that having seen the playbook of Donald Trump 
people like Vivek, frankly, I think Tim Scott, frankly, all of them, I think, can can now know what his playbook is. But especially a guy like Vivek, look, he's been a successful entrepreneur. As far as I know, he doesn't have any uh, alleged skeletons in his closet and probably some real skeletons in his closet. I'm not, I, I think his, I've not heard of any uh, uh, allegations of harassment or sexual impropriety with women. Um, I just think this guy has got a lot uh, of the American ideals, not to mention he, he checks the box that the progressive left want us to check as, as far as uh, having some, some different pigment in his skin. Uh, you know, I think the guy's a formidable opponent, and he may be a, he may be a dark horse in this race, but I think, um, I think that there's a real chance. And like I said, I think if Trump tried to attack him, I think he'd eat him alive. I think Vivek would eat him alive. On a debate stage, that's so. I might see from yeah. what I know about Vivek, I, I could maybe see that. But in a in a GOP primary, I don't think it'd be any. I don't think uh, Ron DeSantis, who will become the twenty twenty four GOP nominee, I don't think Ron DeSantis has anything uh, to worry about. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show. It's Wake Up Mid Missouri. I'm oh. Brandon Rather, and there's Stephanie Bell, John Marsh, Brian Hallsworth, producer Hannah is here too. I know, I'm not surprised to hear, Randy, that you like Vivek. Only in that I think we've heard lately that people think you're a deep thinker. And that's what I would say, no, about Vivek is that, you know, sometimes we get a little, and I think especially as of late, on the conservative side, we got a little bit bumper stickery. And I think even DeSantis and Trump can kind of fall into that with these short little quips that don't really have a lot of underlying yeah. thought. And I think, you know, for anyone who's interested, I think you're right. If you go, I mean, Vivek's given so many speeches in the last, you know, two years. You can get on YouTube, watch some of the conversations and just the depth of thought um, that, that comes in his and he's so articulate. Uh, you're right. Um, but I'm not surprised that you are excited to see him get in the race. I am equally <laughs> excited. I guess he did He did go to, like, Yale and Harvard, and he has a JD. And apparently his undergrad's in biology, so I yeah, can see. Yeah. Well, I think he'll raise – I want to see the level of discussion in general in this country. I want to see it rise above the, the shrill uh, squad type of talk on the left. And I want to see it, you know, similarly rise on the, on the right to where we can have discussions. Look. I, I remember a time when, man, I, I disagreed like crazy with people in my own community or my neighborhood um, as a young family man. You know, we would have nice, healthy discussions, but it was over a barbecue and beer, and we still got along. And I hope that whether it's Vivek or, or, or who, I don't care who it is, I just want to see uh, a robust but a civil discussion. That's the America I know, and we need to get back to it. Well, and do you see a distinction right now in the conservative party between folks who are focusing on social issues like transgender those kinds of issues and folks that are really focused on economic issues when Haley Nikki Haley was asked you know how are you going to distinguish yourself from Trump on policy she really didn't have a good answer but when I'm looking at all of the things that Vivek has written you know he's talking about capitalism he's talking about you know China he's talking about uh, energies you know he's talking about the economy and so in that way I really can see him taking a different lane than some of these other candidates that have already announced where do you think the people are going to be on that well you're right look i think that the challenge in the conservative movement and the republican party in particular is how do we get the same people that are on the one hand um predominantly economically conservative but socially liberal and the people who are predominantly socially conservative but economically liberal i'm thinking of uh, a lot of people, um, you know, in the in the faith community here were okay with what's going on at the border because they have bleeding hearts, you know. How do we get those people together? I think 
an economic libertarian message speaks to those people because they can, I think, accept a libertarian social issue. The, 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 uh, the Dobbs decision really speaks to that. While a lot of us would like to see it be the law of the land, I would certainly at least like to see it be the culture of the land that we disdain abortion and we do anything possible to discourage it. I respect that there are enough people in this country that want to have that six or eight week abortion. And there's enough people in the moderate, uh, you know, uh, uh, middle of the country that may be conservative otherwise that would accept that. But the states getting back to the states being the real the real driver of this of this uh, constitutional republic. That's where we need to get at. If the vet and others can manage that, how do we talk economic conservatism, capitalism on the one hand, and tolerance of something other than hard right social values on the other hand? That's that's the, the, the secret sauce. I don't know if he can do it. We'll see. And part of that secret sauce mix, too, I think, and I'm, I don't know nationwide, but just in Missouri, there was a, a story earlier this week. They're talking about the aging population in Missouri. What do we got to do? And I always relate that to politics. I, I, I whine about this all the yeah. time. We need younger people uh, with a conservative mindset. We need more and more younger people. So to the point of Vivek maybe being one of those that can appeal to the... There's too many of us old people that are, are stuck in our ways and, and the aging population is only growing in Missouri. I just don't think that Vivek would be the guy to cut through as much as I yeah, might or, or may not want him to. He's not the guy. I want to clear up something uh, before we move forward. Randy Tobler is uh, joining us here on the show. Uh, yesterday I was on your show and thank you for, uh, for having me on. We were talking about driving and and texting and and the big conversation that that got to be all around yesterday and i ended the conversation by saying hey i gotta go i'm getting pulled over it was great it was great <laughs> so I that was i hope that was a bit i hope that was a bit and not the real thing so i'm on my way to the columbia public school candidate forum uh at uh, at grand crew yesterday and i didn't think anything of it i thought it was just kind of a throwaway thing the number of people, and there were probably 70 people at this event last night, which was incredible, but uh, 70 people. I had several people, did you really get pulled? I was listening to the Tobler show, and did you? And I was like, man, I'm sorry. Sometimes you try to be funny and you miss the mark. I missed the mark there. Our guest, Randy Tobler, host the Randy Tobler Show weekdays, 4 o'clock. He's joining us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Randy, as we talk about these uh, presumed GOP candidates coming out of the woodwork, do you think we're in in line for a repeat of 2016 with Jeb Bush and Ben Carson and Chris Christie and, gosh, who else? Ted Cruz, a dozen candidates coming out of the woodwork. I think it may be a replay of uh, some Super Bowl where the same teams are playing, but uh, I think that whoever's up on that debate stage eventually is going to know what they're dealing with in what is going into the race, the leading candidate, and that's Donald Trump. So I don't think you're going to see the same kind of um, civility right off the bat. I think you're going to see early pushback here. Medicine when he starts to attack people on the one hand. On the other hand, you may see the DeSantis approach, which is to just shrug it off, take the high road and keep talking Trump policy but don't get dragged down into the mud wrestling. And that's what Trump wants. Don't take the don't take the bait because, you know, everyone likes to see a fight at the hockey game or a crash at the racetrack. Hate to admit it, but that's human nature. Trump loves to be the instigator of those kind of things. And I think we'll see some savvier candidates this time. I'd like to see a narrower field and I'd like to see a field, like I said, that, that raises the bar on the discussion and realizes we are in an extremely tight political environment where 
just a few thousand votes, tens of thousands of votes make the difference in about, what, eight or nine states. And um, you, you, you got to talk to the middle. You have to talk to them. You can't tell them it's all right all the time because you're going to lose nationally. Yeah, I think uh, and I go, but the Republicans have their people in their tent and, and the progressives have have theirs. There are so many people outside of those tents. And I, I really do believe the GOP has failed, failed. Uh, yeah, it's yep. an echo yep. chamber. Get some of those people that aren't in the tent if you want success. Uh, exhibit A. The big red wave of 2022. Yep. Before we let before we let you go, uh, what do you have coming up on your shows over the next few days? Well, you know, I'm really excited about the radiothon tomorrow and Friday, and I'm really looking forward to uh, you know talking to the families and really getting the word out about the miracles that uh, the MU Healthcare Children's Hospital does. Um, but t- today we're going to be talking with Zach Smith from Heritage because there's been a couple of very important cases that were argued in the Supreme Court concerning the whole issue about social media censorship and uh, Section 230. It's pivotal. You talk about an important election issue. I think that'll become a talking uh, issue throughout all of the debates in the primaries and beyond. All right. We'll look forward to that. And I want to say this, too, and I'm not doing this to call anybody out, but we get this a lot. And so this is kind of a public service message. Um, number one, we appreciate you listening to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Number two, if you're running for office, because we I got this with a local candidate in Columbia last year. We had on somebody who's running for city council and somebody said, I know the laws. you got to have me on, too. And And I felt bad for them because, no, you don't know the laws. So we get a lot of requests. Uh, right. People saying, well, I get uh, I get equal time. And, uh, and we've had a situation like, as a matter of fact, it's unfolding <laughs> right now. And I'm not saying this to be mean or calling anybody out. I'm trying to say it as a public service announcement to save you some time and energy. No, legally right now, we don't have to have you on. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Business news with a little... Twist only. Stephanie Bell can give you. So Hannah previously told us about a spaghetti restaurant that decided, you know, kids are just too messy and too much trouble. And so they're going to not allow kids in their restaurant uh, again for a restaurant that serves spaghetti. I mean, they might as well be serving like ravioli or something, right? Like if you're an adult, what adult goes to a restaurant and orders spaghetti? Give well, me a careful, ki- careful. Give Nobody. Me- Give me a can of your finest Chef Boyardee. Right. And but apparently other businesses are starting to kind of get feel this pressure and do the same thing. The latest, which I am super salty about, is Amex. So if you know, uh, you know, that you can get an Amex card. It's very expensive. Uh, I think it's gone up from like five to six hundred dollars a year. But there's tons of benefits. And one of the primary benefits is you can get in some really nice lounges when you're at the airport. Um, this year, Amex has said you know what, guess what, you can no longer bring in guests. And that includes the kids that are on, like, that are traveling with you. And so I had this experience where I went to a different terminal, dragged everybody there, was sweating by the time I got there. And they're like, well, you can bring your husband in, but it's like 200 extra dollars for your kids. Um, or I, it's not that much. I think it's like $50 a kid. It was like 100 bucks. And I'm like, okay, not worth it. And a lot of times, if you do travel with guests, it is worth it because these lounges, they have free food, they have free drinks. So if you were going to eat a meal in the airport, you might actually, over the long haul, be saving money to use the lounge. But Amex, if you've been to any airport, a lot of these Centurion lounges have long lines. They're overcrowded. They basically oversold the card. So they're having to figure out how do we 
deal with these long lines now that travels back. And I guess their, their thing is like, well, yeah, you just can't bring your kids anymore. And actually people on, and, and other guests as well. Um, but you used to be able to bring, I don't know, three or four guests now. I think depending on who you are and how much you spend, maybe you get one guest. Um, and, and people on Twitter. Are- okay, so we played this game earlier and uh, Stephanie nailed it. Uh, and kind of ruined it for me, but that's what—that's how good she is. Uh, that noise, and you guessed it. Hannah, would you have guessed what this was? No, it seems too fast-paced to be what it is. How's worth any guesses? It sounds like tennis, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Marsh? Ping-pong to me, but I knew what it was. I think it's multiple games. That's what it has to be, right? Like, because I'm right, I'm with Hannah, and that sounds too fast paced. So and we bring it up because there's a growing trend amongst people that that live by pickleball courts. Go, man, it's awfully noisy. And I think the best description we have for pickleball, it's like you're uh, playing ping pong, but you're standing on the the table while you play. But that's and you're playing with like a it's a bigger racket, right? Like in a bigger ball, like it kind of looks it's a like a wiffle ball basically. And like a big paddle. Remember Tom Hanks in the movie Big and those giant like regular <laughs> toys but they're giant. Like pickleball is like a giant ping pong paddle. Can we do some research why is it called pickleball? That is a great question. Does anybody have access to Google that we can check this out? That, that the is ball it. isn't in the shape of a pickle. And it gives the wrong impression. I remember when I first heard of pickleball years ago, I'm like, oh, pickleball. What was that game where you played and it was like a weighted ball? Like when you threw it and it was all crazy? That's what I... Badminton. No, that no, that's a shuttle shuttlecock, right? Hmm. Isn't that what the badminton is called? <laughs> no, there was like... I think badminton was... I, I, I may, may be confused on that. Right? I thought it was badminton, the one you're referring to. That's got a ball and like a... Uh, uh, a birdie. Thing. It was a birdie. Yeah. yeah, kind of thing on the end. No, this is something different. But why, I guess, what are the origins of the name Pickleball is what I need to know. It's a great question. Mm. Uh, man, if you want to talk obscure sports, there's no better <laughs> place to go than Wake Up Mid-Missouri on 93.9 The Eagle and 104.5 News Radio 950 You KW. know what I did watch yesterday, speaking of? A Misha-sponsored quiz bowl tournament. It's a big, big event. It really is actually a big event. Okay. They have, uh, they have that every year. So I would, I'm stunned every year. The ratings for the spelling bees on ESPN, the sports network, people watch that they and they, they do pretty well in the ratings. Uh, watching other people spell words is just it's, as exciting as to watching other people bowling or watching other people play golf. They don't even have Peyton or Eli Manning as the uh, moderators. Right. <laughs> I want to see those Excel championships again. That was on ESPN last year, and that is what I really need to know. Uh, so I, we, we played that audio uh, to see if you could figure out what it was. But people are live, that live next to pickleball, of course, are saying, yeah, it's too loud. Is there something we can do to stop this? I want to see if anybody now knows... What this audio is. I just can't believe that my face is on TV. I lay back in my left or right. Oligarchy. Left or right? Well, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't recognize. It sounds like it's an 80s theme to it, kind of. It's James O'Keefe, Project Verit. Formally. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Formally. Of Project Veritas. Board booted him off, and that's a shame because over the years, he has done some good work. James O'Keefe's biggest problem was is 
man once or twice when you deceptively edit something to portray a point of view, everything. And he's been busted several times. I shouldn't say busted, not necessarily by the law, but people have like, hey, dude, I dig what you're doing and I get your end point. Uh, but you got there using deceptive editing practices. It is not, a, and after that, you've ruined it. But apparently, the the bigger concerns, uh, bigger concerns among the board members of Project Veritas. Apparently, he's mean to everybody, and they wow. didn't like how he spent money. One of the things apparently that he was spending money on was his music career. He was like flying using a private jet, and he was using like the a car service. That's what they're accusing him of after the fact. But I guess the day that they said goodbye to him, like people just unfollowed Project Veritas in droves. Like a hundred, they lost a hundred thousand Twitter followers or wow. something. He has a remarkable uh, uh, presence when it comes to people like donating, and so, I mean, he is the face of Project Veritas. And I don't know what they'll uh, what they'll do after that. Bochy don't you have the story Bocci. on him one time? <laughs> Sorry. Where he, where he, Squirrel. he, the guy when he was in college wanted to ban Lucky Charms? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, We're because have to he said it was anti-Irish. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> right? But there are people. Snowflake, snowflake. <laughs> Bocce ball. Yeah, it's super popular at Prison Brews, and they have a league. It's kind of like City. it's kind of like marbles, just on a bigger scale, isn't it? I thought it's more like shuffleboard, right? Yeah. Similar, though, yeah. Kind of. They have a league there, and I uh, remember t telling Larry Vinson, our Cole County collector down at the, uh, at, the, at the prison brews one time for a fundraiser, that it looked packed. It was busy. So it's popular, certainly, in Jefferson City, uh, popular in St. Louis. I don't know. I don't see it much around uh, Columbia, but, uh, but we'll see. A game that was newer when I was in, like, middle school that we played in PE class is called Hantis, and you had... Four of like the six foot long folding tables set up, and you played in pairs. And you'd have a ball, and you'd try to bounce it off the other team's tables, um, and try to get it to double bounce or land on the floor. So That's that was called beer pong, I think. No, no, <laughs> what you just described. <laughs> no, uh, you were talking about neighbors being annoyed with the pickleball noises, but one of the top articles on the Wall Street Journal today is about people living next to golf courses, and they say it's it makes their life a living hell. And I guess a jury awarded one couple millions of dollars because people who don't know how to play golf are just busting through their windows all the time, and they're saying thousands of golf balls land in their yard. And this is hilarious because this weekend I was hanging out with my sister. She likes to golf, and she golfs at this course that has a home that's really close and it backs up to the golf course and the man has literally built like a wooden structure that looks like a little kid's lemonade stand and it says golf balls one dollar and he <laughs> collects them all and puts them out with like a venmo sign and i'm like that's the kind of person i want to be i don't want to be the person who sues and says my life's a living hell because i moved into a house knowing that it was next to a golf course i want to be the guy who like is hilarious puts up a sign and sells the golf balls back to folks i'll have to see if i can find the video but I saw a video forever ago, and this guy lived next to a golf course. I've seen, we talked about this this weekend. It's so good. And someone had hit a ball into his yard, and what he did is he went in the yard, and he laid down next to it to make it look like he got knocked out by the golf ball, and he just waited for the golfer to come retrieve his ball. And filmed his reaction. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> That's being an entrepreneur. On kind of a, a social comedic prank level, that is an entrepreneur. I'm going to go lay down by this uh, golf ball.
I think it's uh, I think it's great. Speaking of uh, snowflakes, so these people they move next to a golf course. Oh man, the balls come in our yard all the time. Blah blah blah. People complaining about the the noises of uh, pickleball. Uh, the Chiefs, who just came off their parade last week, a bunch of people, and I don't know who I fault more, the Kansas City Star for even printing these letters or the people that wrote the letters, <laughs> right? I, I, you can't blame, but, and, but I've seen some of the letters, you can't blame the Star. It's, it, again, yeah. I, I, if someone called in to our radio station and said it, we'd put probably put them on the air. I mean, it's a good you know, point. I, I, do, I don't think it's the newspaper's fault, but people, yes, I've, I've seen some of the letters. So people are writing letters to the editor, Kansas City Star, uh, and they're complaining about the, the Chiefs drinking, drinking during, the, uh, during yes. the parade, which is fine. I get it. I'm guessing it's people that, I don't know, like they're just morally uptight about drinking and, oh, they're on the TV and the kids see it. Whatever. But the idea... And I appreciate, we take all comers here at 874-9390. I appreciate that you feel passionate enough about something that you get involved, whether it's complaining to the newspaper or the radio station. But personally, I want to sit and chat with the person. Like, you're so bothered by somebody celebrating a world championship for the second time in a matter of years. You're so bothered by Patrick Mahomes holding a, a can of beer in his hands that you're going to sit down and I don't know if you're going to email or do it the old-fashioned way and do it like Pete Buttigieg when mm -hmm. he sent a letter to the people of Ohio saying, hey, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk to that person. Like, <laughs> why? You're so about this. And like the person who moves next to the golf course, you're the person who watches. You know these people after the game put on goggles and spray each other without. Like, what do you think they're going to do at the parade? If you don't want to see it, guess what? I think, Stay home. I think the letter, though, if you read it closely with their concern about his children were watching. Uh, I, again, I'm not taking a position. That's that's what they're... But it's not the newspaper's fault. But I will tell you, um, there was a incident in the Kansas City Star where someone wrote a letter to the editor before the season started and was from Illinois, by the way, big Chiefs fan, said Patrick Mahomes was not a team player and that he should be traded uh, in, in, in... Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Mah Mahomes, the star printed it, and Mahomes' wife was furious. Uh, mm -hmm. She was furious. Again, the stars, they didn't write the letter, yeah. they printed it. I, I just... Uh, if you don't, if people don't like it, they can ignore it. And, and people were just, they were blamed, they were saying they're going to cancel their subscriptions. Again, it's... Um, that's, don't shoot the messenger. The star simply printed the letter. That's, you know, that's my point. You know, people being upset about kids seeing this reminds me of when parents don't do their research before they take their kids to a movie. Yes, and I've been there. The example I think of is the movie Deadpool. Oh. It's a Marvel movie. Oh. So parents thought that it was going to be another superhero movie, and a bunch of them took their kids to see this rated R film, and they were mad at Marvel and not mad at themselves. You know what's worse than somebody, and some of the stuff in this it might almost be worth sharing in leftovers, but a phrasing like, if the Chiefs cannot go a few hours without alcohol, the organization has a problem. My goodness. You know what's worse than somebody sitting down and putting some thought and taking pen to paper and writing a letter to the Kansas City Star complaining about the, again, world championship Kansas City Chiefs drinking some beers in the parade? The only thing worse than that is the guy who then gets on the radio and complains 
about those people that are complaining <laughs> about the cave dragon. Coming up. Boy. <laughs> we'll do some leftovers. Uh, some of the things we didn't get a chance to get to here on 93.9 The Eagle and 104.5 News Radio 950 KWOS. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Here's a big old serving of leftovers. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, some of the things we didn't get a chance to get to on the uh, on the show today. Before we make way for my dad's favorite show here on the radio station, the Gary Nolan Show. Marsh, you got uh, you got much in the way of leftovers today. We Capital Region Medical Center apparently pulling the plug on a couple of their physicians' clinics. The one in Holt Summit and St. Elizabeth going to close them down April fifteenth. But looks like Holt Summit still has the St. Mary's medical group clinic in their community so a lot of concerns all across mid-missouri at access to health care well and andre and we've seen uh health care clinics close in fulton that was kind of under very nefarious circumstances also mexico as a matter of fact uh brandon rudiger uh holt summit city administrator chatting with komu channel 8 about this yesterday i truly think people are going to be disappointed i know as a city official i'm disappointed um especially in the fact that you know we were blindsided by this in my position i'm trying really hard to work with our our community and our businesses to try to keep them here and, and really help our community so i wish i could have had that opportunity with capital region uh this morning uh sports betting front and center at the capital uh hearings committee hearings today um we've talked a lot about it since sessions started because the legislature told us it's one of their priorities but the first time some of those big issues are going to be aired out uh, and I wanted to go back to this health care thing uh, a little bit. wanted to talk to Randy Tobler about it. He joined us earlier this morning but didn't get a chance because we were covering so many other things. But uh, base, it, I guess, John, it, it boils down, uh, I guess, really like with anything else, costs. Yeah, and I know, gosh, Randy Tobler's talked about it at length on his program, guys, that just the cost, especially in rural areas, of providing adequate health care is just so prohibitive. Then you're, you know, then you've got the challenge of having enough staff available to staff these places and all that. It's it's just an uphill battle, and this is what happens. Well, and I think earlier we talked about, you know, high crime and, and all this stuff that's been going on in St. Louis with that hit-and-run issue. Um, I mean, it, it affects where people want to live, but, you know, in so, as someone who has aging parents and who has concerns about family members who have health issues, I think that also matters um, because, you know, when we're looking at, you know, where, where should we live, uh, I think a lot of people, I, I want my, my family members to, to have access to quality health care, which, and as a mom, I'm super excited about the next couple of days because knowing that we have the children's hospital here as a mom of young people, knowing that we can get that access. I mean, it's one of the reasons that draws me to mid-Missouri because I know I'm not far away from any, you know, the best care that I can get for my kiddos. Um, and so I think especially, you know, we've seen what happened in Mexico. We've seen, um, you know, just in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, it, it's not somewhere where I would want to have family members who have significant health issues. Because think about, you know, the ambulance ride or the ride that you would have to take your own family member who has a, a serious medical issue. When you have the benefit of living in a Jefferson City, living in a Columbia or St. Louis, Kansas City, like you get sick, you know, okay, I'll just go to, go, go to the clinic, man. They'll clear that stuff right up for me. But when you live in places like maybe Mexico, Missouri, or St. Thomas, like I'm guessing Tom, sometimes you go, you know, I, I feel pretty bad. Maybe I should go see a doctor, but I don't want to drive 45 minutes and take that chance. It's maybe nothing. 
And I would say at the same time with some of these, you know, family care clinics, you know, ultimately these healthcare folks are businesses, right? And they give back so much to our local communities. Um, and so, you know, in many ways, I, I don't fault uh, a lot of the decisions because, you know, biz- across industries, businesses are having to make a lot of really tough choices. I think on the healthcare uh, front, you know, it's a it's a larger systemic problem. Um, that we've got to deal with, you know, how do we address healthcare costs going forward? How do we address our aging population? Something we've heard that's, you know, front and center on the on the um, state level. Uh, so I think it goes beyond that. It, you know, I hate to see that some clinics are closing, but I don't fault businesses for, you know, having to make tough choices because ev- everybody's having to do that right now. I don't know if it's a good comparison, but I liken it to, to some uh, newspapers. Well, a lot of newspapers actually nationwide. And I think it starts because you get a corporation that decides we want to we want to buy a newspaper. What are corporations about? And that's fine. I'm not criticizing, but they're saying, well, we're, we're about making money. So how can we make money? Well, let's slash first. And that's that's what newspapers do to the point. Some of them, they don't even print newspapers anymore. And if they do, they're doing it a few days a week. And we can look to uh, a, a local example. And I feel badly for the people that have worked at, for example, at the Columbia Daily Tribune over the years. I mean, like, if six, seven years ago, Columbia Daily Tribune, like that was 